We're in the middle of a series, if you've been with us over the last few weeks, called Distinct, looking at the book of James. And as it were today, we're sort of interrupting that series just for one week. In a sense, it's still part of Distinct, but we are not looking at the book of James today. We're going to focus on one particular aspect of what it means to be distinct followers of Jesus by looking at the book of Acts in the New Testament. And I'm going to read some bits in a moment. And I've called this talk, The Story is Not Yet Finished. Because as I was preparing, I sensed that God wanted to say maybe to one or two of us and to us as a church, The Story is Not Yet Finished in your life, and in our lives. A few years ago, uh, I switched on the TV to watch a program that I really liked, Sherlock. Any fans of Sherlock when it was on? Brilliant. I switched it on knowing that I was late, okay? And I switched it on, I think it was sort of, it ran from sort of nine till half ten or something like that, or eight till half nine. I switched it on about, with about ten minutes to go. And so what I was wanting to do was I was switching on ready to go straight to catch up so that I could quickly go back to the beginning and start the whole program. But as I switched it on, the terrible thing happened. Just as I switched it on, the murderer was revealed. And so I dutifully went back and catch up to watch the program from the beginning. But of course... Now I knew that every time that person was on the screen, they're the one that have done it. How I saw the ending changed how I saw the whole rest of the story. And in a murder mystery, it sort of undermined it a little bit. But I want to suggest that for those of us who are followers of Jesus this morning, knowing the ending changes how we see the ups and downs of the story that we're in. This is a key difference that Jesus makes in our lives, friends. Friends, the story is not yet finished. Some of us today will feel as though the best days are in our past. Some of us will feel as though we've made bad choices in our lives that we regret, that we now have to live with, and somehow life is not going to go the way that we thought it would now. Others of us feel as though our family circumstances somehow limit and restrict us. Some of us feel confused because the future seemed so clear and then now, well, I don't even know which way's up. Some of us didn't get the exam results that we were looking for. Some of us have messed up in some way at school and we're just not sure how it's going to pan out. Others of us, if we are honest, we may not use these words, but we feel as though we've been left on the shelf. Others of us feel as though the gifts that God has given to us, we somehow are not able to use in the way that we had hoped. Friends, Jesus wants to say to all of us this morning, the story is not yet finished. Why don't you say that to the person next to you? Go on, say it out loud, the story is not yet finished. Let me explain to you. From the book of Acts, we're going to race through the history of the earliest church. 
and we'll see something amazing that the story is not yet finished. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 sets the whole scene for the book. Jesus has died and he's risen from the dead and it's all kicking off and his disciples meet with Jesus and Jesus says, what's going to happen? He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. This will happen, he says. Notice the will. Underline the will. Highlight the will. Whatever you want to do, circle the will. This will happen. You will receive the Holy Spirit and you will be my witnesses in this city, in this area, and ultimately to the ends of the earth. They've just seen Jesus die and come back to life. People don't come back to life. And so therefore, when somebody does die and come back to life, you might want to listen to what they say. And Jesus has said, they will receive the Holy Spirit and they will be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. And so as the book of Acts goes on, we see through huge ups and downs, Jesus was telling the truth, friends. The Holy Spirit came at Pentecost on all different kinds of people. But then opposition grows and you have people like Stephen being murdered. But because of that, the church spreads all the time, being able to tell more people about Jesus. And then this guy called Saul appears on the scene who wants to wipe out the church. But then his life is flipped upside down and changes his name to Paul and now wants to build the church. The story is not yet finished, friends, because Jesus will fill us with his Holy Spirit and enable us to be his witnesses. And then we get to Acts chapter 16, which is the focus of where we're looking at today. Let me read to you Acts chapter 16, verses 5 to 8. The churches were strengthened in their faith and grew daily in numbers. Jesus was telling the truth, friends. So Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. Now here for a moment, friends, if you had been able to speak to Paul at that moment... How's the mission going? What would he have said? Well, we tried to get into this bit of Asia, but it just wasn't happening. So we tried over here and it just wasn't happening. Now, to get an idea of what's happening, I want to just do a little bit of geography. I hope that's all right. You guys who are at school, you'll get this. On the screen, you'll see a map of Europe and the Middle East, if you didn't know. Okay? Up there, right in the sort of foggy top left, you've got England and Britain and Wales and Scotland and Northern Ireland. And then here is Jerusalem, if you don't know where it is on the screen. Okay, so that is, Jesus says, you will receive power and the Holy Spirit comes on me and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem. So that's where that kind of happened. And most of the action in Acts chapter 16 that I've read happens in this yellow area, which we know today as the sort of Asian part of Turkey. That's the region that Paul was going to get. And he was trying to go north, trying to go south. But everywhere he was trying to go, the doors were blocked. We're not sure how, but he just took it as that God wasn't going to send him there. If you'd have asked him, how's it going? He would have said, I'm trying to get the message out to the ends of the earth. I've tried here, no. I've tried here, no. And so they end up in this place called Troas, which is here. 
Now, he's wanted to impact the whole region for Jesus. But at every turn, no. And so he ends up in this little place called Troas. So the story continues. Acts chapter 16, verse 9. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So from Troas, we went to sea, sailed straight for Samothrace, and the next day we went into Neapolis. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony, colony? colony, and the leading city of that district of Macedonia. So let's go back to our map. He was in Troas. They set out, and they end up where? In this place called Philippi. What do you notice, friends? GCSE geography, they're now where? Europe, for the first time ever. Every single door had been closed. And now, for the first time, we're in what we now know as Europe. Paul was stopped from staying in an area that he wanted to be in. He felt that led to be in. But now he's going to mainland Europe. Paul's plans had been thwarted. But if they hadn't been thwarted, friends, you and I would not be here, arguably. Europe might never have heard the good news of Jesus. So maybe Jesus was right after all about them being his witnesses. Where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So what happens when they get to Philippi, what we now know as Greece? Let's continue the story, Acts 16. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who'd gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. So what happens? Well, they've hoped to find a place to pray. Normally, they would go to the synagogue. And what needed to happen for there to be to synagogue would need to be 10 Jewish male believers. There clearly wasn't that in Philippi. So they go outside the city gate and they find a bunch of women. Not exactly in ancient world strategy, prime location for achieving this global mission. And so what happens? Well, we see one of them becomes a follower of Jesus. Not the revival that perhaps they were hoping for. And if you'd have asked Paul at that moment, how's it going? What might he have said? Well, interesting. We had been stopped, but we got to Europe. Things were looking up, but now we couldn't find the location that we were looking for. And there wasn't that much interest in this message of Jesus. Just, just, just one woman. Lydia, but strategically, we're not sure. But what do we know, friends? The story's not yet finished. And so the trip to Philippi carries on, and they start preaching a little bit further. And then a girl who has been abused by men, who happens to also have this sort of special clairvoyancy thing, becomes a follower of Jesus too. And therefore, what happened is her, her male, male abusers suddenly can't earn any money anymore. And so therefore they get Paul and his friend Silas banged up in prison. 
And so we read these words, Acts chapter 16. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. After midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Friends, if you'd have asked Paul at that moment, how's it all going? Well, not great to be honest. Jesus said that it would go to the ends of the earth. We've got to Europe. I know we don't call it that yet, but one day they will. And there's just one woman named Lydia. She seems nice, but don't really know what to do with her. And now we're in the prison in the middle of an earthquake. Not great. Not the greatest strategy, is it? But of course, we know what happens. The earthquake opens the doors. So much so that the jailer and all his family becomes believers. And then the leaders of the area freak out because they realize that Paul and Silas aren't just anybody, they're Roman citizens. And we get to the further on in Acts chapter 16 and we see these words, verse 40. They came to appease them and escort them from the prison, requesting them to leave the city. After Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. Where do they go? Lydia's house. Lydia, the leader of the church in Philippi, probably single, probably possibly a widower, but certainly had a house that meant people could meet who were followers of Jesus, which was the launch pad into Europe, which is the launch pad for you and I being here, friends. At any step on that way, if you'd have said to Paul, how's it going? How confident are you in the will that Jesus said? And if you imagine that Paul was here in the room right now, looking at us in this place called England, in a city called Birmingham, with however many nationalities in our heritage in this room, how confident would Paul be then that every no along the way was not a no for Jesus, that, friends, the story was not yet finished. The difference between what he might say in the middle of the prison cell or in the middle of the earthquake or outside the city in a location that he didn't want to the difference between in this room now with a a place full of hundreds of people in a city full of thousands of people who own the name of Jesus. Friends, the story is not yet finished. So what might that mean for you and me? Three things as I come to a close. Firstly, this. Friends, things may be happening in your life that you cannot see. The story is not yet finished, friends. Lydia just so happened to have a house that just so happened to be the church in Philippi. She just so happened to be in that place at the right time, which so happened to be a resource base for the mission into Europe. The story reminds us that so often the things we choose are not the things that God chooses to build his kingdom. And friends, you may have things happening in your life right now that you cannot understand, that you wish were not so or that you wish were so. May I remind you, 
the story is not yet finished. God is at work in your life. Full stop. For us here at Riverside, you'll know we're hunting, searching to find out what the future looks like in terms of a place that can really resource us as our main hub. And if I'm honest, we're not yet where we hoped we would be. This encourages me because the story is not yet finished, friends. And so if you're somebody that you're thinking, wow, Riverside, it was all clear back then. What if in a few years' time we were able to look back at this moment now and say, wow, thank you, God, that we hadn't moved already. And for you in your life right now, what if there's things that you do not understand, but in a few years' time you're able to look back and say, God, I've seen your mastery over those mysteries. Things may be happening that you can't see right now. The second thing is this. God has a crucial part for you to play. Not just the person next to you. He does for them too. But for you. Look at the person next to you. Tell them God has a part for you to play. And now, say to yourself, and he's got a part for me to play. This little moment in Acts chapter 16 reminds us that you don't have to be somebody else to be central to God's mission. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to pray in the right way. You don't have to have the right words to look the right way, have the right background, be whatever to be central to what God is doing. And can I very gently and just highlight something that I wanted to encourage you with. I want to make a reference to our age. I heard an amazing thing this week. Did you know that trees that are in a forest, what happens is older trees obviously grow and they provide a big sort of canopy over the forest and thereby blocking out the light a bit. And then what happens is younger trees grow up, but because there's not as much light, their, 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 their growth can't go to all of their leaves and canopy because there's not enough light to do so. And so what happens is the growth grows into the trunk so that there's a stronger, secure base. As it were, the older trees protect the younger ones so that the growth grows in the right areas. And then what happens is when the older trees die and get knocked over, then the younger trees rapidly rise up because now the canopy can grow. But there's a danger if there's a violent wind or whatever and the older trees get knocked out before the trunk of the younger trees is not yet ready because the growth goes into the leaves. They grow very, very quickly and very, very tall, but there isn't the secure trunk. So friends, I felt that as we're thinking about this, for some of you who are younger, you feel a calling, almost a radical zeal. You might not use those words. You might just say, I'm up for it. Whatever it is. And you somehow feel inhibited because the opportunities aren't yet there. Or the gifts that you see in you or other people have said in you, you're not quite sure what that looks like. Friends, may I say God might be doing something in you so that in due course you will become a large giant oak. So don't waste the little things. 
And for those of us who we would say we're in the sort of afternoon or evening of life, we have an opportunity and a responsibility to invest in the younger life so that way after we've gone, they're able to grow bigger and stronger than we might ever do. And so therefore, for those of us in the evening of life, the story is not yet finished for you. You may think your glory days are in the past, but we don't. God's got a crucial part for you to play right now. And finally, as we come to a close, the third thing I think God might want to say to us is this. Did you notice what happened in the middle of prison, in the middle of an earthquake? What are they doing? Praying and worshipping. Might I suggest, in a season of uncertainty, when we don't know what's happening, that is the posture we need to take. Because it's only as we fixate our eyes on the one who holds us in his hands that we then lose the fear and we're able to confidently say, God, I don't know, but I'm with you. And so the right response is one of wild abandon to you say, Jesus, whatever the cost, whatever it looks like, there's many questions I've got, many uncertainties, many disappointments. And yet, Lord, when I look at you, I'm confident because the story is not yet finished.